Welcome back, beautiful people, to another episode of Redefine Beautiful. Today, I have a special guest with me, and I can't wait to introduce her. But while you're here, I want to encourage you guys to like, rate, and review the podcast so others can find this. If you find today's episode is super helpful for you, please share this with your family and friends. But we're going to go ahead and dive in. Today, I have Kelly Gifford here with me today. She is a body image and food freedom coach. She's also an ex-personal trainer, and I think her insight into that and how she used that as a stepping stone to the job that she has now and how she's able to reach people is super important. So I'm going to go ahead and let Kelly take the floor. She's going to start diving into a little bit of her story. Yay! Amazing. Well, thank you so much for that intro, Faith. I am so excited to have this conversation with you today. I just love having any conversation about this stuff. I'm obviously very passionate about it, which is why I've turned it out to be my career. Let me just back up a little bit and share what got me into being a personal trainer in the first place. And I would say like most personal trainers, I got into it because of my own fitness journey, which for me started at the age of 16. So I was in high school and up until that point, I had not been athletic or fit by any means. That was just not really my thing growing up. And I actually had a lot of insecurities around that too. And a lot of my life was revolved around me essentially finding evidence that I wasn't good enough, that I was going to become rejected, that other people were judging me or criticizing me or didn't want to be around me. And at a very young age, I started to make the connection that the reason why these types of bad things happened to me, why I didn't have friends, why I wasn't popular, why my crush didn't like me back was because of my body. And over many years throughout my childhood and early teenage years, I was extremely insecure and that just seemed to be getting worse and worse every year. And so when I finally stuck to a fitness plan or a fitness journey, I had tried so many times prior to that, I would like work out two days in a row and then give up. But this one time was very different at the age of 16. And I just remember like, I don't know, something switched in my brain. And I was like, I have to do something about this. And so I got into a fitness journey and because of the nature of how I got into it and how I was so committed to losing weight, it was because I wanted to feel more confident. I was so uncomfortable in who I was and what I looked like and judging myself so much and projecting that outward, assuming that other people were judging me and seeing my worth as less than because of the way that I looked. I wanted to escape that pain more than anything. And so me approaching fitness and dieting in that way set me up for a decade-long journey of disordered eating, having a very toxic relationship with exercise. And I would say for the vast majority of that decade, I really believed that I had a problem with food because I believed for so long because of how I grew up and because I didn't think that my body was good enough growing up, I believed that I couldn't trust myself to navigate my food choices or my exercise choices because the only evidence that I had of when I was just eating what I wanted or working out when I wanted to or whatever, that was associated with a very painful and insecure time in my life. And so I developed this like egoic controlling structure around food and around exercise that was extremely obsessive 
And I was so terrified of gaining weight that even though I could see that the relationship to food that I had and how much of a negative impact that controlling my food intake, being so diligent with my workout routine to the point where if there was anything that could potentially get in the way of me doing it, it would cause me massive uproar of anxiety. And I saw that it was doing that to me, but at the same time, the idea of letting that go or getting help or moving away from that was way too terrifying because of all of the associated pain that I had of moving away from that and going backwards to where I was when I was younger. And so that fear kept me stuck in this cycle for many years where I would try some kind of means of controlling my diet, like at the beginning where most people start is just like eating clean, right? And so cutting out all of these different types of foods and eating off of a list of foods that's like 20 foods long and that's the only foods that you can eat. And I started there. And when that became too restrictive, then the next diet was kind of proposed as like the solution to that. And that's when I got into like counting macros and counting calories because that promised that I could still control my body and I could still feel safe inside of what I was doing while still controlling what I was eating and making sure that I wasn't going overboard. But then when that became too restrictive or too all-consuming, then it was like, okay, how else can I control my nutrition? Let's go to intermittent fasting. And that way I don't have to track everything. I just know that I'm going to be within a calorie range And then when that became too inflexible for, you know, a human being living a life and having different schedules every day, then there was just another thing and another thing and another thing. And there was always just me bouncing from one means of controlling my diet to the other. And I would say it was maybe like four to five years into this decade long journey that I was introduced to the concept of intuitive eating which sounded nice. I loved the idea that I could just eat what I wanted and trust my body and all of those things. So I would get like this surge of motivation to do it and just be like, yeah, I know enough about nutrition. I'm tired of dieting. I want to learn that I can trust myself and I want to let go of this weight that controlling my food is having on my life. And then I would dip my toe into it, this honeymoon period of just like, wow, I feel good. I'm eating whatever I want. My body is fine. My body's not changing. But then in a span of anywhere between, I would say, two to four weeks, typically, I would inevitably experience some kind of bad body image day or even just starting to look for evidence that my body could be changing. And then when I was looking for it, I obviously found it because I'm becoming more like hyper aware of your body. You're going to just notice, oh my God, I'm bloated today. Oh my God, am I just gaining weight? And then that fear would swing me back into some means of controlling my food. And I did that same cycle of intuitive eating for like a few weeks to a month and then freaking out and then running to something that felt safe for probably five years. You're not alone, really, because I feel like so many people, I know. like you said, you just change it out for a different thing. This diet is too restrictive. I just got to go to a different diet. You constantly feel like you're in that cycle of right. I got to do something. Yeah. And for so long, it felt like the diet that I was clinging onto was the solution. Okay. I know that the last one was too restrictive and like it had a negative impact on my life. So how can I change what I did so that I can still control what I'm eating and feel safe while having that negative impact of my life not creep up on me? But the truth is, and the truth was that I had to learn over and over again is that 
it doesn't matter what the diet is when the mentality is, I am so terrified of my body changing. You're going to manifest it in obsessive ways. And it became an obsessive thing. My friend wanted to go out to eat. And so for the rest of the whole day, I'm like, okay, what am I going to eat? What's going to be on the menu? Where are we going to go? Should I not eat today? Should I just have a protein shake for the rest of the day? Because I don't know what I'm going to be eating. And I would watch myself be going through this mental turmoil. And I'm like, I should know better than this. I know that this is having a negative impact on my life. And for a lot of this, I should even share that I was working in this industry. I was working as a personal trainer. I was doing nutrition coaching on the side. And I was creating this brand for myself around helping women escape diet culture and have a healthy relationship with food. And that was what I was preaching online. But behind the scenes, I was having such a toxic relationship with food and with dieting and this just massive fear of my body changing, taking over my life and felt like a total fraud because of that. And it was something that I had a lot of shame around. And I remember even having this in me where if anybody would bring up food, for example, I would put on this really weird fake facade to try to draw attention from the fact that I thought about food so much because food was the number one thought in my brain constantly for as long as I could remember. It was the first thing that I thought about when I woke up. It was the last thing that I thought about when I went to bed at night because I was so hyper-focused on controlling it and food was just inherently put on this huge pedestal. Like It was literally a toxic relationship. It's like, I love you, but I hate you. I can't have you, (laughs) right? Yeah, it's like, I love you too much. I can't have this. Exactly. And so when someone, for example, would be like, oh, like, are you hungry? I would be sitting there for like the last two hours being like, oh, my God, are we going to eat? When are we going to eat? What are we going to do? Just like thinking about it constantly in the background of my mind. And then when I'm asked like, oh, are you hungry? Do you want to go eat something? I'd be like, oh, what time is it? Oh, I didn't even think about that. (laughs) Time just flew by. Am I hungry? I don't know. Are you hungry? And just like try to draw attention from the fact that's all I thought about because I was so ashamed of it and putting up this really fake facade because I was trying to create this brand and this persona of being someone that was all about having a healthy relationship with food and helping women escape diet culture, like I said, but I still had something within me that was pulling me back into the things that I knew were toxic and unhealthy and were wrong. And really the root of that was just all of that fear. Like I said, the fear of sliding back into the type of pain and the shame and the embarrassment and the not good enough and the loneliness that I experienced when I was younger that I just associated with my body being a certain way. And do you feel like being someone in the fitness industry, because I feel like this is definitely something that's crossed my mind. Did you feel like some of that extra pressure came from that? Did you feel like being in that space was actually fueling your relationship with the food. It was basically like, I have to look this way or I'm not going to get clients. Absolutely. Yeah. I had it constantly reflected back to me that the clients that I worked with admired me for how dedicated I was to working out. They would always ask me like, oh, what do you eat? Or asking things that would make me feel like, okay, this is what people want me to be like. This is why people like me. This is why people want to work with me. This is why people look up to me. And it was that sense of connection and significance that I longed for so much when I was younger, because like I said, I felt very lonely. I didn't have many friends growing up. 
And so again, it was confirming that association that I made that my body is the reason why either good things happen to me or bad things happen to me. And so I was really terrified of what would happen if I didn't uphold the way that my body looked currently. And that's why when I would dip into those periods of intuitive eating and have that honeymoon phase, as soon as I would have a bad body image day or even just start looking for reasons to prove that my body could be changing, then I would immediately freak out and be like, nope, this is not okay. And then start justifying it to myself. Like, well, it wasn't that bad in the past. And I can find balance with this and I can control when I'm eating and I can eat a little bit less. And I haven't been eating that well anyways. And so I, I don't need to trust my body. It's fine. I can just put some restrictions in place and I'm just being dramatic. It wasn't that bad. It wasn't really having that negative impact of my life. I can go back to that and I'll be fine and I'll feel better. And then my clients will look up to me. And it was just so easy for me to justify sliding back into what felt familiar for me, even though I had all of this evidence that it was having such a negative impact on every other area of my life. When food was consuming my every waking thought when I couldn't feel connected or present with the people that were around me, whether it was friends or family or even people I was romantically involved with, because all I was thinking about was, when am I going to be able to eat next? Have I eaten enough today? Have I eaten too much today? What do they want to do? Are they judging how much I'm eating? Like it was constantly this dialogue that's going on in the back of my mind. And I was perpetuating it by continuing to go into these cycles. And like you said, it's absolutely true that I felt that both that pull and that push from the fitness industry of wanting to be this different person and this different voice in the fitness industry of speaking up about anti-diet culture and helping people have a healthier relationship with food and exercise while at the same time it was feeding my unhealthy relationship right. with food and exercise. And it's really interesting that you bring that question up as well because something that's really interesting that I've only recently really started to reflect on is just how much being in the city that I grew up in and then I became a personal trainer in was keeping me in that place. And ironically, when I finally committed myself to recovering from my eating disorder completely unconditionally, meaning that I was going to dive fully into intuitive eating with no conditions, meaning that I could turn back. So no matter if my body changed, no matter if I had a bad body image day, no matter if I literally could not stand to look in the mirror, I was going to make sure that I committed to healing myself from my disordered relationship with food. And that's a promise that I made to myself about two years ago. And around that time is also where some really big life changes happened. And I ended up moving away from the city that I was personal training in and shutting down my personal training business. So it's really interesting how those two things happen at the same time, because I didn't really mean it to purposely, but I think that was such a necessary part of my healing because I needed to get away from the people that yeah. knew me as Kelly, the personal trainer, the people that I knew had a relationship with me as that person. They knew me as being this really thin and fit and dedicated person. And I knew that if my body was changing in front of them, it's not even necessarily that they would have rejected me or they would have judged me or they would have reflected that back to me. But internally, that was something that I feared so much that it was actually really healing and helpful for me to be able to back away from that environment and create a completely different 
version of myself and yeah. identity for myself in an environment where people didn't know me. I moved to the other side of the country and was basically forced into a position where I was just kind of hermiting and was doing the work and really going through this huge transformational, dare I say it, very dark and depressing time of my body changing and all of these old fears and shame and embarrassment from my childhood actually having the opportunity to come up and me being like, oh my God, all I want to do is lose weight. All I want to do is just starve for the next three days so that I can just feel like I'm doing something to control this because it feels so out of my control. It felt like I was literally like dying in a weird way. No, it does though. Constant panic every single day for months on end and not being able to look at myself in the mirror, having all of my clothes not fit me anymore. And I was like, why am I doing this? This is not okay. And again, justifying it to myself. Like it wasn't that bad before. I could go back to what I was doing before and having all of that chaos happening internally. And then just having to sit there and be like, I can't do anything about this. I made the promise to myself that I wouldn't. And it was dark and it was really liberating in its own way too, because the very thing that I had spent a decade running from was finally happening. And because it was happening, I got to learn over time that I was okay, even if it happened. I was going to be okay even if my body changed. I was still going to be able to have moments of joy. I was still going to be able to have moments of connection with people. I was still going to be able to be mirrored back being admired or feeling significant or feeling like I'm good enough or even having more moments of presentness and joy and peace and over time also experiencing more of that because my brain wasn't so consumed with food anymore. I was starting to realize that I have so much more energy and thoughtfulness than I ever thought that I did when I was just so consumed in my eating disorder. And it was one of the most painful and liberating times of my life because like I said, it was the very thing that I had spent a decade running from happening so that I realized that even if my body changes, I'm going to be okay. And I never felt that way before. I always felt like if it changed, everything in my life that was good was going to be taken away from me. Everything that I had spent my life trying to build up for myself and create for myself was going to be ripped out from under me. And the only reason why I had good things happening to me in my life, good relationships, people that admired me was because of my body. And so that's what kept me in that space for so long. But actually challenging that and putting myself in a position to find evidence to support that wouldn't be true was the most life-changing, transformative, and liberating thing I think I ever could have experienced. And I love that so much for you. 10 years is a long time to be stuck in a situation like that. But here's to say, it doesn't matter if it's been 10 years or 40 years, you can always rise above that. For one, you've got to acknowledge that it's a problem, and then you've got to be willing to put in the work. And I think a lot of times it's okay if you start to put in the work and you fail and you have to start over, but I think that's where people, a lot of times they start that. They want to start over. They want to try something new, and then they revert back to what you even mentioned as you were comfortable. What was comfortable? What was that safe space? But I think it's a matter of saying, even if I have to keep starting over, I'm worth it. I'm going to put in the work. And I love that you made that promise to yourself because a lot of times when we speak it into existence, it's really that drive that puts it home that I'm doing this for me. 
I want to be better than I was. And I think honestly, having that where you were able to move, a lot of people don't get that. They don't get that chance to be completely taken out of. So you, in a sense, were very lucky in that regard, but that doesn't mean that if we're not physically removed from a location, from a situation, that doesn't mean we can't remove ourselves from that situation, from that location. No one wants to start over. I 100% get that. But sometimes starting over is the best thing you can do. That that includes letting go of friends, sometimes letting go of family, mm-hmm. letting go of those triggers that are constantly saying, you're not good enough. You have to do this in order to get validation and things like that. It's always one of those things. I don't want to say I love your journey, but I love where you've yeah. come because of your journey. Absolutely. And I agree 100%. I have had to grow and shed so many layers of myself over the last couple of years since really fully committing to my unconditional recovery. And I have got to experience so much of myself and of life because of that. I've been so much more present with the people in my life. I feel like I have so much more available within me to offer the world and to serve the people that are in my life, whether it's my clients or just friends and family and people that I'm meeting on the go, et cetera. And it's just been absolutely mind-blowing to actually test out how much more of a human being I can be when I'm not so indoctrinated and lost in diet culture and in an eating disorder and in an unhealthy relationship with food and fitness in my body. And I remember justifying to myself for so many years that maybe it's not going to be any different. Maybe I'm just going to, my body's going to change and I'm going to let go of this eating disorder thing and things are only going to be worse. Maybe I'm not going to be more present. Maybe this is just something that's wrong with me and I can fix this another way without having to let go of the controlling of food and making my body change, et cetera. But the truth is, even if that was true, even if my body didn't need to change, and even if I didn't have to eat more in order for me to be liberated, there was a level of freedom available inside of that I never could have gotten any way else. And it was me learning that it's okay if my body changes, which again was not my default for as long as I can remember. It was if my body changes, that would be the end of the world. That right. would be the end of it. And even though consciously even I could justify that wasn't true and find evidence of how that couldn't be true, people in my life don't just love me for my body. And if people do just want to be in my life because of my body, I don't want them anyways. I'm trying to justify that yeah. to myself, but unconsciously still really didn't buy into it. I was still buying into the idea that if my body changed, that I would not be okay, that my value would be less than, that I would be less successful, that I would be less safe, that I would have less connection in my life. Like everything that I wanted in my life would be taken away from me. So it was a lot of pressure to put on my body being a certain way. But I got to learn not only am I going to be okay, but there's so much beauty and amazing experiences and connection and relationships that I got to experience on a whole different level because I learned how to create that safety inside of myself through facing that fear, through watching my body change and not doing anything about it, through having to sit with myself through those days where all I could think about was how badly I needed to go back on a diet and fix how my body was changing and not do it anyways. That gave me so much in my life that created the version of myself that I am today where 
I'm able to even see in somebody else when they are carrying a lot of weight within themselves and they don't know how to be with themselves and they're trying to externalize and find out an external physical solution to help them escape the way that they're feeling inside. And I can resonate with that on such a deep level because having to watch myself go through all of that inner chaos and everything in me was grasping onto control and then not actually grabbing for the control, it completely changed me. It completely reprogrammed my nervous system. It gave me some tools that I can use to help regulate myself in these types of situations. And I think that this work is so needed and whether or not it's something with someone's body or maybe it's a fear that they have around losing money or going broke or losing their job. It's not necessarily that we need to actually experience those things to be free of them. Although I think that can sometimes be the way that we have to learn the lesson if we're unwilling to do the work otherwise. But I've started to learn for myself that whenever there's something that I'm so afraid of happening, I have to come to a place internally of being okay with it of really trusting that even if it did happen, that I'm going to be okay. Even if I did go broke or I never sign another client or I gain a hundred pounds or I am unable to work or whatever it is, letting that chaos just come up in my body and noticing that fear, that pain, all of that stuff that comes up at the thought of our worst fears being realized is just emotion from the past that we never felt that we never felt safe feeling. And so really having to work through that and feel in my body like this doesn't feel okay, but that's okay. And having that level of unconditional safety within me that no matter what happens, I'm gonna be okay. Even if I don't feel okay, I'm going to be okay. It completely changed the way that I approach my life in every other area of my life that I can't even believe how much just letting my body change has changed me from the inside. And I will be so grateful for that for the rest of my life. And one thing I did want to ask you, you said that growing up, you didn't feel confident. You didn't have a lot of friends. Do you feel like through this journey of that food freedom and letting things go and stuff, were you able to unpack those things that happened? Maybe if something happened to you or just even those feelings of how you felt then Have you since been able to unpack those and really dive into them and see why you felt that way, why those things happened? Were you able to address them? Absolutely. It's so interesting when we really start to do that type of work. A lot of people call it like inner child work, where we go back into our childhood memories that where we created a lot of our core wounds and our core beliefs about ourselves and about how the world works and really looking at them through both the lens of the child and the lens of now who you are as an adult and seeing the disconnect between what was really going on and then what you made it mean when you were younger. And the thing is that when we are younger, it is our default to make everything about us because we oh, don't absolutely. really know any better, right? <laughs> we don't. And that's how we protect ourselves too. If I can make this about me, then I can control it then I can fix whatever it is in me that created this pain or this suffering or this uncomfortable circumstance and make sure that it never happens again. And so every single thing that I had in my life that was painful or uncomfortable or shameful or whatever it is that happened when I was younger made me feel lonely, et cetera, I just started to find out, okay, how can I control this? What about this do I have control over? Maybe it's about what I look like. Maybe it's my body. Every time that a friend 
makes a comment about me behind my back. Oh, it's because of my body. Or every time that a friend that I had that I thought was my friend ends up ditching me for another girl. Oh, it's because she has a better body than me. And every time that someone else is picked in gym class, oh, it's because they look better than I do. And it's constantly coming up with this storyline and confirming that storyline my entire life. When you look back on that as an adult, you're like, okay, they picked this person over me. It's because of my body. Is that true? It could be also a lot of other things that have nothing to do with me, have nothing to do with my body. Maybe they just felt more comfortable with that person, or maybe they had some kind of bond with that person based on a personal thing that they had in common that I didn't have with that person. Or maybe there was something about me that made that person uncomfortable, but it doesn't necessarily mean that there was something wrong with me. It was just a wound that they had that I itched or something like that. I just wasn't their person for them. And I started to really look at, okay, how... I wanted it to be true. That's the thing. I wanted my stories to be true because I wanted to be right. And I also wanted to feel like I was in control of what I experienced in life. And that's what kept me so knit in with these disordered eating behaviors because I wanted to feel like I was in control of what happened to me, how other people perceived me, how much connection I had in my life. And so by feeling in control of it, I felt like I was safe because we find safety under the illusion of control. But the truth is we can't control really anything, to be honest. It's all an illusion. And that safety that I was finding through that external illusion of control was never actually making me feel all that safe anyways, because it was always under the condition of if I'm only safe, if they want to be with me or they approve of me or they like the way that my body looks or they think that I'm pretty or whatever it is, then what if that changes? What if my body changes? What if they see something in me that they didn't see before and they decide that they don't like me? So that condition on my feeling of safety, of good enoughness actually never allowed me to open myself up to feeling good enough, to feeling safe because there was always that looming thing around the corner, right? Like it could come anytime. The rug could be pulled out from underneath me at any time. If I gain a little bit of weight or if I skip a couple of workouts or if I let this person too close to me, they're going to see a flaw that they didn't see before. And so ironically, the thing that I was doing to try to feel more connection, to feel more secure, to feel more confident in my life was actually the very thing blocking me from feeling that my whole life. And I think that's so true for so many people. But I think the problem, the disconnect here is we don't correlate how we feel as adults from how we felt as a child. When I was in high school, I had an eating disorder as well. And my thing was, is I wanted control. That same control that you speak of, that's exactly what I wanted. And because I felt like I couldn't be loved because I wasn't pretty enough. I wasn't skinny enough. So therefore, I turned to disorder eating. For me, the same thing was true. That I was carrying those as I got older, I didn't realize it. It was stemming from the same thoughts I had when I was younger, but they were the same thoughts I was having as an adult. They were just worded differently or framed differently, but it all was stemming back for those initial thoughts as a child. We're always looking for evidence to prove that we're right (laughs) about all of the core stories and the core beliefs that we have. And those are all going to be developed really early in life. And again, those beliefs are rooted in this idea that in order for us to be safe, we need to control it. And in order to control it, we need to make everything about us. And so that's how we create our core story. 
mom didn't want to pay attention to me after school. And so that means that I'm not good enough or I'm annoying or I'm a burden. When really what was going on is mom was just really tired. Mom was overwhelmed. Mom felt disconnected from herself and she was just projecting that onto me. But we don't see that when we're children. We don't want to see that when we're children, because if it's out of our hands, then we can't do anything about it. Yeah, we can't fix it. Exactly. At least if I make it about me, then I can try to change myself and become a people pleaser or whatever it is to try to get mom's attention and prove that I am good enough. And then that becomes our life pursuit is proving that we're good enough to mom. And sometimes we try to prove that we're good enough to mom through proving that we're good enough to society and trying to get that approval, even if we couldn't get it from mom or even if mom was never available for that because of her own personal things. Then we go out into the world and we're trying to find that in all of these other means, but we're never going to be able to find that outside of us. We're never going to be able to find that good enoughness or that safety or that security or that significance in anyone or anything or any accomplishment. And sometimes it takes us actually just achieving everything that we've set out to achieve, getting everyone's approval, having all of these people in our life who mirror back to us that they appreciate us. And us still feeling like we're not good enough to realize that the solution is never outside of us. And I had that realization really big when it came to my self-confidence, because for so long, I thought that my self-confidence was going to come from people approving of me, of my body looking a certain way, of me fitting into a certain size pair of jeans or whatever it is. But every time that I would tick something off that list and realize oh, I still don't feel confident. It'd be like, hey, what's the next thing? What else do I need to change? Oh, I guess I could make my butt bigger or I guess I could make my arms more muscular or maybe I need to make them less muscular and maybe I need to have more abs and maybe I need to have my hair longer and maybe I need to be smarter and maybe I need to put myself out there more. Maybe I need to be more shy and be more people pleasing. Like always trying to find who I needed to be and mold myself into in order to feel good enough. But there comes a point where you have completely exhausted the laundry list of things that you have found on yourself that could potentially not be good enough and change them or fix them to the extent that you could and still don't feel good enough or you have every reason in the world to feel good enough externally but you still don't for you to actually have the courage to turn within and see okay what is this really about because it apparently isn't about anything outside of me needing to change and so now I have no choice but to figure out why I have been able to do everything that I've been conditioned to believe that I need to do in order to feel confident or good enough and still don't. And it's the moment that you ask that question that you're going to start to receive the answers that you need, but you have to be willing to ask that question first. Everything you just said. For one, just kind of taken back to, you know, when you're talking about why mom wasn't able to give you what you needed and stuff that really hit home for me personally. But again, say that you're willing to put in the work. You want to say the hard thing like this is what is going on. And even taken back to where you said, if this happens to me, I'm going to be okay. It's not about necessarily being okay in the moment. Like it doesn't feel okay when these things happen, but you're going to be okay. And I think that was such a big takeaway from some of the stuff that you said earlier. It was no matter what happens in your life, there's going to be trauma there's going to be heartache. It's just inevitable. You cannot avoid it unless you literally just went and lived in a cave by yourself. You can't avoid these things, but the big difference is how we're going to react. Even if something has happened to us in our past, that doesn't mean that we still can't unpack that and be the best versions of ourselves today. I think 
so many people end up turning to food as the solution. And I think the biggest thing is it can be years before you realize what you did. And then it's going to take equal amount of time to undo that. But that's not to say that it can't be undone. And one thing I wanted to ask you as we're diving a little bit more on the food side of things, I feel like a lot of people can see that it's happening, but how do we take that first step to say, I need to make a change? When you work with your clients, what is the kind of the first pivotal point? And maybe once they've come to you, they've already said, okay, I, need, I know I need to change, but maybe they come to you and they're not realizing what the actual root problem is. What's kind of that first step? Yeah. What I really love to help people understand is that everything that they have been doing up until this point has been serving some kind of deeper purpose. So there's a reason why there's a disconnect a lot of the time between what we consciously know and then how we act in our lives. So for example, what I was sharing earlier about how I knew for many years that I was disordered eating and I wasn't living what I was preaching and that I was having a negative impact on my life, but I didn't do anything about it, at least not permanently. And so that's a place that a lot of people get stuck in where they can see that what they're doing isn't working for them or it's actually quite harmful to them, but they stay stuck to it. And oftentimes when we come to that level of awareness where we see ourselves doing things to ourselves that we should know better about, we typically label that as like self-sabotage or something like that. But the truth is that we're not inherently self-sabotaging individuals. We're never trying to hurt ourselves. We're always trying to meet our own needs and keep ourselves safe the best way that we know how. And so I think it's really important to acknowledge that up until this point, We've all just been doing the absolute best that we knew how to do to meet our needs and to keep ourselves safe. And so really acknowledging that everything that you've done, even though it created suffering for you, even though you can see everything that was wrong with it, let's come to a place of self-forgiveness and acceptance of that because that is what you needed. Like for me, I needed to have an eating disorder for 10 plus years of my life because that was the absolute best way that I knew how to meet my needs and keep myself feeling safe. So coming to that place of acceptance and forgiveness inside of yourself first, and then looking to question, okay, how well has that been working to meet that need, to keep me safe? And then we start to open up the aperture to see, okay, maybe there are some times in which that made me feel safe. Like those very fleeting moments of somebody acknowledging that I was admirable or me having moments of connection because I have all of these clients that are coming to me and they appreciate me and they want to see me and they want to hang out with me after the gym or whatever it is. And I'm like, wow, I have connection. And it's because I've built this life for myself. It's because I've gotten into fitness, et cetera, et cetera. So seeing where it has been working to get me what I deeply wanted. And then looking at specifically, where is it not working to get me what it was designed to get me? How is me clinging on to the control of my body and food not working to make me feel connected? When I'm with people, I'm usually not really with them. I'm in my head thinking about things. When I am asked to go out somewhere or to have some type of plan, I either will say yes, but then be in my head the whole time about it because I'm afraid of how it's going to interrupt my schedule and my ability to control my body, or I'm going to say no to it because I don't feel safe in doing that. So I'm actually cutting myself off from connection. And then if we look at confidence, I've been doing this because I thought that it was helping me feel confident. When has that been working to make me feel confident? When people compliment me, when I'm able to post like a gym selfie on social media and I get a few likes from it, like that works to get me that sense of confidence. Okay, where is it not working to give me that sense of confidence? I can look back at the times 
over the last month or two months or year where I didn't feel confident, where I went out with my friend to go dancing and I felt like I was in a straitjacket the whole time because I was so afraid of what other people were going to think about me if I just started to be seen and just dance and let loose or whatever. And so there was a big point to recognizing that one, everything that I've been doing up until this point has been serving me. It's been the best way that I knew how to meet my needs and my desires. But then also there's a lot of ways in which it's not working or is even counterproductive to that. And then from that place, we want to look at, okay, this is what your deeper desire is. You want to feel confident. You want to feel secure. You want to feel free in your life. You want to feel love and connection. You want to be more present. And you've just been believing that the solution to that is through these behaviors and through this external result that you've been chasing through your behaviors. And what if there's another way to achieve that's actually going to be more productive and it's going to allow you to actually be able to feel the way that you want to feel without this condition on it of I only can feel this way because xyz because I fit into this size jeans or because this person has acknowledged that they think that I'm admirable or whatever it is so that I'm not in this place of okay like thanks I feel confident but I need to make sure that never changes and I need to make sure that I hold on to where I am so that doesn't go away. Well, what if we could open ourselves up to a level of unconditional confidence or security that could never be taken away from us because it's not something that is being delivered to us through an external means. It's something that we are insourcing inside of ourselves. And by laying that out there and sharing that that as a possibility for someone, usually they can see that's actually what they want. They weren't actually chasing the external result. They were chasing feeling a certain way. And most of the people that I talked to have come to enough evidence to conclude that the way that they've been chasing getting that feeling has not been successful for them up until this point. And so just reflecting that back to them so that they have the opportunity to buy into the fact that there is another way that they can achieve what they wanted and it's going to be better for them in the long run. Oh, that's so good. And I love that you shared that, especially pointing out they want that validation that they think that's what they want. They want people to tell them all these things, but really, they really want that internally. They want to be able to say within themselves that I'm good enough, that I'm pretty enough, that I'm smart, all these different things. And I love that process you've taken like, all right, this is how we kind of start. This is step one. You know, we're right. going to kind of work through this. It's not a short step one. It isn't, okay, we've acknowledged the problem. That's not just step one. Step one is we're going to acknowledge it and then we're going to start to unpack it. And I love that. And I love, honestly, I just, as you were talking, I was just starting to kind of go back and I'm like, that's exactly what I did. And those were the steps, whether I realized it or not. And so I also want to ask you, you know, somebody's at this point, they, they know that they want change. They know what's been driving it. They know that the negative impact of what they were doing in the past What is stopping them from pursuing a healthy relationship with food? Yeah, well, they're getting something out of not having a healthy relationship with food. Like we were just saying, everything that they've been pursuing in their life, like that feeling of security, that feeling of good enoughness, that feeling of validation, that feeling of connection, they're associating that having the unhealthy relationship with food has been giving them that, even if it's not all of it, they're associating that it's at least giving them some. 
And they're afraid that if they let that go, then the little amount that they have is going to be taken away from them. The truth is everyone's journey is going to be unfolding at their own unique pace. And for me, it took me 10 years to get to the place where I was like, okay, this actually like isn't working. And I am willing to bet on the opposite. I am willing to let this go. I have gathered enough evidence throughout the last 10 years that what I'm doing isn't working. And I want to try this new way, even though it's scary, even though it feels like it could be the absolute end of the world to me. I'm pretty much feel like I'm there already. Like I had to hit rock bottom. How could it get worse? (laughs) Exactly. And not everyone has to hit that place of feeling like they're in rock bottom with their relationship with their body or food or whatever in order to have that willingness in them to try a different way. And maybe that is a beautiful gift of us having these conversations that allows people to shortcut the learning curve because they can see the yes. they can see themselves in me and they can see themselves in you and they can see, okay, this is maybe the path that I'm heading down. Maybe I can just pivot now instead of waiting until that yeah. takes over me. And there's wisdom in that, but there's also wisdom in just allowing it to unfold because you know what? In a lot of ways, I'm very grateful that it didn't happen any earlier because there were lessons and there were there was wisdom inside of every single day that went by that I was still suffering behind the scenes with my eating disorder and my relationship with my body. And had it happened any earlier, I think I would have robbed myself a lot of those learnings and a lot of those experiences. And I can truly look back and see that it unfolded the way that it was meant to, to the point where I'm able to be in this podcast episode with you and share my yes. journey, right? Yeah, so, it gives perspective. Absolutely. It does. And I feel so grateful for the way that my journey unfolded. And I think that anybody that is listening to this, that feels like they're in a place where they see the path that they're going down and they don't want to continue to pursue it. They want change, but they're scared. I want you to know that it's going to remain scary until you do it always. And it's going to feel painful for sure on the other side of it maybe not to the extent that your mind is telling you it's going to feel painful because I think that we tend to over exaggerate a lot of the time but that doesn't mean that by you choosing to commit to your recovery or to do a different approach that you're not going to come up against that pain you're afraid of experiencing that you're not going to look in the mirror sometimes and regret what you're doing that you're not going to feel uncomfortable in some social situations and be in your head thinking about how other people are judging you or whatever that might happen but I know for me that happened even before I started recovering from my eating disorder I was still sitting there worried about how other people were (laughs) perceiving me right even if I had the body and I had the validation and I had everything that I thought that I needed in order to feel like I was good enough I still didn't and so I wanted to challenge the notion that it would be worse that it would be a worse experience sitting there in a different body having that same inner turmoil about, are they judging me? Do they think that I'm good enough? Blah, blah, blah. And the truth is that it's actually really no different. I still suffer just as much when I'm going through a bad body image day as I did when I was thinner. And the only difference between now and then is that back then I could look at it and be like, even if my body isn't good enough, at least I'm doing something about it. Whereas now it's like, okay, I don't feel good enough in my body. And I'm not doing anything to try to fix that or control that. And it's because I know that was never successful in the first place. And being able to come to that self-awareness and just allowing myself to be in the full range of my human experience, which is always for me going to include having negative body image sometimes 
And that doesn't actually need to go away in order for me to be okay or in order for me to have the life that I want because I'm starting to learn, especially over the last two years since I've committed to this recovery, that bad body image is so complex. It has almost nothing to do with what my body looks like and has everything to do with just what is happening in my external environment and what I'm seeing and what I'm being exposed to that is making me feel a certain way inside. And then my default is just to blame that on my body because that's what I learned when I was younger. Exactly. And it's it's a slippery slope, but I loved how you pointed out bad body image days, they don't go away. They're still going to creep up. But when we have this internal acceptance of ourselves, they're shorter, they're less frequent, and we, we learn ways to combat them when they happen. Okay, so That's if I'm not feeling good today, that gives me that opportunity to ask myself why. And on a previous episode, I talked about this with Ada, where it's usually something else going on. And like you mentioned, it has nothing to do with the way my body's actually looking, but there's right. other things going on. It's not necessarily the actual fact that I'm not comfortable in my body. It's just you have all these outside stressors. And mm-hmm. like you said, our kind of mechanism is just to go back to what we know and say, it's because my body. And then we fix the body, right? Like we go to a diet or a workout. Yes. And it's if I just fix this body, then I won't have bad body image days. And that's just not true. But we're better at dealing with them when they do come up and they don't come up as often. And we can actually take from that we're able to dissect the things that are actually happening in our lives, the things that actually matter, that are actually that's right. really at the core of it, the issue. And I think that's, again, through my journey, and you mentioned through yours, is it allowed me that stepping stone to go back and say, this bothered me then, I never dealt with it. So it's still in me and I still need to mm-hmm. deal with it. But now that I'm more confident in who I am internally, and I realize that my outward appearance isn't the reason why I didn't feel loved, Mm -hmm. I'm able to unpack those things a lot better than 17-year-old me, even 20-year-old me, 25-year-old me. It's so different. And we all want that. We all want, for one, to be confident in ourselves, and we want to be loved. Those are two things that just everyone wants to feel. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's that confidence within ourselves that allows us to love and be love. Oh my gosh, I couldn't have said it better myself. That's exactly it. It's a part of the human condition to seek out these things outside of us, to seek out the love that we want, the confidence that we want, the safety, the security, the peace, the freedom that we want outside of ourselves. And let's not blame ourselves for that because that is just everything that has been conditioned into us since the moment we popped out of the womb. We believe that's how it works. And I think that's by design in some way, because that is what keeps companies alive and they're able to sell us things because we think that they are the answer to our problems. But I think a lot of us have to get to a point where we hit that rock bottom or we realize, oh, wow, like I have done everything that I could possibly do to try to feel the way that I want to feel in my life. And I should feel that way, but I don't still to realize that's not the answer. It's the moment that you decide that's not the answer that you start to get guidance towards the answer. And it's like you said, it's that love towards yourself because there's love inside of us. We just cut ourselves off from it because we don't think that we're worthy of it. And so we wait until someone outside of us gives us permission to feel love by telling us, I love you, or by telling us that you're great. And then we're like, oh, I'm so loved. And then you allow yourself to feel that love that's been there all along. And we just 
unconsciously associate it that the person is giving us that love, but that's not what's happening. All they're doing is just giving you this really weird contractual permission slip to feel what was already yours in the first place. And that's this case with any feeling because nobody can give us a feeling. Imagine if I could just reach to the screen and give you like, you want to feel confident? Here you go. That's not how it works. Confidence is always going to be an inside job. If that worked, I'd be all for it. But it's just that's not how it works. We can't find what we want outside of us. And sometimes we get evidence that we can because we will achieve certain things like we'll lose weight. And then we're like, I lost weight and I feel more confident in myself. I'm taking more photos of myself. I go out there more. I put myself out there more. And so it was the weight loss that made me feel more confident. But the truth is that the weight loss was, again, just a permission slip for you to feel what was already available to you. And that's not a bad thing that, you know, I'm not even going to say that losing weight is bad. I think that's just something that is conditioned into a society as a normal thing. And I think that we can question the effectiveness of it. But just in case anyone's listening to this and they're like, well, I really do want to lose weight or I do want to change my body. I don't think that there's anything inherently wrong with that. But just realize that if you're chasing a a feeling inside of you and you're just assuming that it's going to naturally come by you changing the outside, it's not true. And it might come, you might feel a little bit of a sense of confidence from losing weight, but that's eventually going to go away once you start to fear that the weight is going to come back on or that your body is going to change. And now suddenly you are in a straight jacket of, I need to stay where I am in order to feel confident, but then you're not feeling confident because you're afraid that it's going to go away. So it's actually blocking you from feeling confident where you are right now. And that's a place that I had to get to for myself where it was like, I have the body that I thought that I always wanted, yet I'm going out dancing with my friends and I literally cannot get out of my head. I feel like there's a straight jacket on my body because all I'm thinking about is how other people are judging me. Even though I spent the last 10 years of my life focused on changing my body and becoming this really fit, lean person that I thought that I needed to be in order to feel confident, but it's still not there. And it was always inside of me. It was just the conditioning that I couldn't let myself feel it or that if I let myself feel confident when I wasn't worthy of it, then it would be painful. If, for example, I felt confident in the body that I had and then somebody outside of me mirrored back to me that they didn't think I was worthy of feeling confident or they thought that I was arrogant or they thought, oh, she thinks a lot of herself. I was afraid of that happening. So it was always putting my confidence ahead of me to make sure that if I allowed myself to feel confident, that I would be safe to do so. It was that undoing of that thought process and that operating system that really put me in a position where I opened myself up to receive the confidence, the love, the peace, the freedom, the connection that was always available to me. And all I had to do was choose it and I had to feel safe in choosing it. I love that. I feel like that was such a powerful kind of I don't know, just such a good token of information for somebody to take with them because I do feel like a lot of times we're afraid of being confident because we don't want people to think that we are arrogant, that we're cocky, Mm -hmm. that we are full of ourselves. Society has stripped that away from us that we're not allowed to feel that way. And I think it's so sad because I have struggled with that so much because I feel there are so many times in my life like I felt confident, but I felt like I couldn't share that because I didn't want people to perceive me a certain way. But now I'm at a point in my life where I am confident inside and out. And I think there's so much beauty in that. And yes, some people are going to take that the wrong way. 
but I'm also at a point in my life where I just don't care. And I refuse to let somebody take my confidence away. And I feel like that is such a great message for people to hear because we're told that we are not allowed to be confident because that is a bad trait almost. When Mm -hmm. reality, the more confident we are within ourselves, the better we can love ourselves, love those around us, treat those around us. It just, it really pours into all areas of our lives. People listening to this, be confident. Don't push that feeling away when it comes because it won't always be there. There are gonna be days that we're not our most confident. Even myself, I, again, I'm a very confident person. There are still days where I'm like, I kind of like make myself small and I'm like, I don't know. But the truth is anytime I do feel that, I latch onto it and I ride the wave and I let myself feel those things. So if you are somebody who does get those feelings of confident, especially when it's not correlated to your weight, your body, things like that are going to change constantly. A lot of times, a lot of things are out of our control. Yes, we can put all this stuff into losing weight, but is it actually the healthiest for us? Are we actually healthy at this weight that we're trying to be at? I got down to 114 and guess what? That was not healthy for me. In my mind, I read a BMI chart and I'm like, I'm supposed to be 114. And the truth is, is no, I'm not. These things are very outdated. And I feel like as people, we want something tangible. So we grasp onto numbers. We are number of people. We are driven by numbers. That kind of confidence where we're not putting, I'm going to be confident when. I'm going to be confident if. It's Mm -hmm. I'm confident now and I'm going to ride this out and I don't care what happens after that. Yes, my confidence can kind of ebb and flow, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to let anything completely take it away from me. That's so beautiful because the truth is that confidence, it is inherently fleeting, but it's not fleeting in that it goes away. It's just that we get distracted from it and we get distracted from it, from our thoughts, from our insecurities, from that just innate conditioning in us to associate that we're not good enough or to be afraid that we're not good enough. So then we look for evidence that it could be true. But What's really true is that the confidence, like we said, the confidence that we're seeking is already inside of us and it can never go away, could never be taken from you. It's just that you're distracted from it. And this principle has been such a game changer for me because it really solidified that idea that I didn't need to go out searching for what I wanted. That in those moments where I am having a bad body image day or I am feeling insecure about myself or feeling down about myself, It's not that I need to go searching for the solution to make that go away. It's like you said, riding the wave, allowing that to be a part of your human experience. And the more that you surrender to those moments and you're almost like detaching from them in a way, because it's when we judge what we're experiencing and we judge that we're feeling insecure, we want it to go away that we're actually holding on to it and we're gripping it harder because when we judge something, we're stuck with it. And as soon as we just allow that to be there and we just surrender to the full range of our human experience, which is going to include feeling insecure because that is just part of the human condition is that we're taught that we're not good enough from the moment that we pop out of the wound. And then we try to find evidence of that our entire life. But it's as soon as we separate from that and we allow that we can start to connect back to the truth. And the truth is that innate, authentic confidence that lives within us, that We never could be not good enough, that we always have been good enough and that could never be taken away from us and that we are our own unique expression of a soul, of a human being. And 
the walls don't mind, the trees don't mind, the sky doesn't mind, like all of that. The only thing that minds is the mind and the mind cannot be trusted because it's quite silly. (laughs) It's given too much freedom. (laughs) That's right. Kelly, you have been so awesome today. I feel like there was just so much to take away from this episode. So many good things. Thank you so much for sharing your personal story and how you got here. As we wrap things up, I just want to ask you, is there one final thought you want to leave our Mm. listeners with? Oh my gosh. I would love to give like a beautiful ending snippet. So let me see (laughs) what I can pull through here. I just want to connect with anyone's heart that is listening to this that feels like they're right on the edge of a transformation. Like they see that what they're doing isn't working. They are listening to this, maybe feeling more hopeful of what's available to them, but they're afraid that they're just going to let this slide under the radar and that they're just going to default back into who it is that they are and what they're doing and just keep going through the motions and then judging themselves for that. And I want you to know that it's totally okay if you walk away from this podcast episode and you don't do anything with it. Because the truth is that your unfolding is happening in the exact rate that it's meant to. And if you're still listening to this podcast episode up until this point, obviously something resonated with you enough that you're here and you're listening. And don't dismiss that. Don't devalue that. Because something within you is shifting just in the processing of what we're talking about. And you don't need to put all this pressure on yourself to have to do something about it right now. And I think that is in its own way counterproductive because the more pressure we put on ourselves to need to do something about this and need to change it, we're operating from this very fearful place. If I don't do something about this, if I don't change, then I'm going to keep going through the motions. I'm never going to feel better. I'm going to be miserable a year from now. And that fearful, pressurized voice is just trying to motivate us to take action in a way that's going to allow us to feel better in our lives, but it's counterproductive because it doesn't work when we take action from that place. And so I want to just invite in the opportunity for everybody to soften into where they are right now and allow that to be enough. And if you end up going two months after this podcast and you still feel like you're not doing anything about it, that you haven't changed anything, that you're still feeling stuck, perfect. (laughs) That's exactly where you should be. It's exactly where I needed to be one year, two year, five years, six years, seven years into my journey when I knew better and I still hadn't done anything about it. But there was wisdom in that. And there's wisdom in your unfolding too. And just know that you are exactly where you need to be and you could never be falling behind. And just the very fact that you are willing to receive the information that me and Faith are talking about today is incredible. And you don't need to put so much pressure on yourself to have to do anything about it. And in fact, the more pressure you put on yourself to do something about it, probably the less likely you are to do something about it. (laughs) It's so true though. I know it sounds silly, but I believe that to be so true. And what a great way to wrap up to say, you know, take this information and use it when you're ready. If it sits with you and you keep coming back to it, then maybe it's time to say, what's the next step? Start putting into practice some of these things that Kelly shared with us today. Start there. Mm -hmm. And let's say you need some extra help. You need somebody to kind of help you along the way. Kelly, where can they find you? Yeah, so I have a podcast that you can find on Spotify and Apple. If you just search 
Elevate, which is the word elevate, like an elevator, elevate, but with a K at the beginning. So K-E-L-E-V-A-T-E, the Kelevate podcast. And then you can also find me on Instagram at Kelevate, the same word, underscore. And my website is KelevateCoaching.com. I love that. I love a creative name. I got to say that. Love that. Thank you. Super awesome. Kelly, you have just shared with us so much today. And I want to say thank you for coming on. Thank you for sharing your wisdom. I think your perspective is going to reach so many people. I can't thank you enough for being here. It's been a pleasure. And I think it's safe to say we'll probably see you back on the show again. Absolutely love that. (laughs) This has been such a fun conversation to collaborate with you on this. So thank you so much for giving me this opportunity to speak to you and your audience. Yes, absolutely. Again, thank you so much for everyone listening. If you made it this far, you found something that just resonated with you and you want to share it with somebody, please share this episode. I also want to encourage you to like, rate, and review so other listeners can find out about this amazing podcast. Uh, See, there's my confidence coming in. I am confident that this is an amazing podcast. We're going to speak it into existence, guys. Again, thank you guys for joining me and stay beautiful.